Hello, this is Michael Melfi, and welcome to the Be Investable podcast, a series where I speak with innovative individuals who share their insights about what it means to be investable. Welcome back to another episode of Be Investable. My name is Michael Melfi, and today we have the pleasure of Mr. Dave Matson joining us. He is the CEO and president of Sandler Training. Sandler named Mr. Madsen its CEO in 2007. During his years as CEO, revenue in the company's global accounts division has increased by more than 53% and international revenue by more than 145%, all under his guidance, with total company revenue being up by 35%. He continues to maintain and grow this business while providing excellent leadership to a team that spans the globe, assisting amazing business owners, business professionals, and entrepreneurs with their sales training. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for joining us on the show and then coming on. I know your time is busy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Be Investable podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You know, and, and as, as someone who comes from a, an organization that is focused around how to train people in sales, I, I think it's great that we're talking about sales and entrepreneurship today. And, and we'll just dive right in and, and kind of ask you, what, what brought you into the Sandler world and just the sales world and the training world? How did you all get started in that? Well, for me personally, I was actually a client way back in 1986. So I was uh, an introvert. I thought salespeople were born, didn't realize that we didn't come into this world slotted for entrepreneurs, slotted for sales, slotted for engineer. You kind of either fell into something or you've picked your path based on you know your, your excitement, whatever you were focused in on. So I sat in the back of the room with, I was sent by the company that I worked for. And I was one of those employees who thought you just had to work five times harder than anyone else and you would survive and you would you know, flourish. And so I was in the back of the room with my arms folded, you know, like a typical sentee saying, hey, this class is probably great for everyone but myself. I don't need to be here because I'll just outwork you. And then when I realized that it was a conversational sales model and based on psychology, and I also then realized there's a lot of people in this room that also weren't born into this role. They, they had to be made. Then I realized, okay, well, if you're made, that means it's my responsibility to continue to increase just like any other sports, right? A sports player, you know, they weren't made as a QB, but if they work, 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 then it's their job to go as high as they can in their profession. And that's what hit me early on. And then I went to work for a Sandler person and then ultimately came down in the late 80s to work with Dave Sandler and just have slowly bought the company over time. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think it's, it's interesting. We talk, about, we talk about sales, we talk about entrepreneurship and why did I want to invite you on? And as you, you and I were talking about, from where we sit, we find that a lot of entrepreneurs, emerging companies, small businesses really face three obstacles. They're either struggling to figure out how to get their financing they're struggling how to be able to attract or retain talent, or they're struggling with how do they influence, how do they do business development, ultimately, how do they sell? And at the end of the day, there's some type of ask to make a sale in all of those, whether you're raising capital, hiring someone, or selling, but yet we don't really talk about that a lot. So when I had the opportunity to, to have you on the show, I was so grateful because I think it's such an important part. But like you said, we even people don't feel they're, 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 they have that, they're that characteristic. No matter what you're doing in a business, sales is part of it. Influence is part of what you have to do. And so I, I'm glad that you're able to come on. I don't know your thoughts about that, but that's at least where I said how I feel about it. I agree. I think if you, you know, listen, Sandler focuses on entrepreneurs. That is our swing zone. We've been doing this 50 years. 
years, and we really focused on the small business owner. And time and time again, you know, we have 31,000 people coming through this program every single year, and there are some patterns. One of them is the entrepreneurs who start the business are passionate about whatever the trade is or whatever they're doing. That doesn't mean that they transition that, that passion, that expertise into therefore then I can sell. Well, they're two different things, right? We have awesome products that they can't get off the ground. And then you've got, you know, not so awesome products that are just killing it. So why is that? You know, it's not just always about the product. It's about, as you said, we've got to figure out how to sell. And those, Michael, that have figured it out, the second big bump in the road is how do I replicate myself? I'm the, I'm the entrepreneur. I'm the one who's got the most passion and I can connect the dots. And I always hear owners say, if I could have 50 me's, I would be a Brazilianaire. How do I get everyone else to do the same things that I do and think the way I do? So it's a struggle. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and we talk a lot about ultimately seeking investors or investment or finance. And I don't care if it's an angel investor, venture capitalist, a bank, or eventually you're going to sell your business. There's still a sales process. There's still a, mm-hmm. you know, and a science to how you navigate those conversations. And it's so important that that, that founder, that entrepreneur, at some point, they, they're going to always be doing this. It's not like a, I had one entrepreneur come up just last week and was like, well, well as soon as I hire my, my vice president of sales and I can focus on other things and I'm like, no, you're always going to be selling something, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like once I have a child, I don't have to worry about them. You know, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> that's not how it works at all, right? No. As a father of you, I think you said five, but that's not it at all. Is no. it? Yeah, it just so, begins. Yeah. So let, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, we alluded to Sandler. Some of our listeners probably know what, what it is. Some don't. Do you want to at least kind of just share sort of and have a background of what is Sandler training? Sure. So we focus on increasing people's performance in a couple different areas. One, sales. So if it's you know a short selling cycle, a long selling cycle, or if it's prospecting or negotiations or presentation skills, anything in that arena that says I've got to find and, you know, sell and then keep and make my customers happy. That's the big sales arena. We have sales management, which I think is the hardest job in most organizations. So that's focused on how do I find great talent? How do I make sure that my team's producing and how do I produce as a sales manager? We have an entrepreneurial program, which helps small business owners say, here's where I am today. Here's what I would like to be in three to five years. And we create a roadmap to help them get there. And so that's very successful. And then we have customer service. And so there's about 1,500 hours of content that we have. And so either they come to our platform if they want strictly online, or we go to them if they have a large enough company. But most of the times, Michael, they come to our local training centers. And we have 265 of those in every major metropolitan area. And so that way, a small business owner who can't afford an internal training department goes to a local training center, sits with other executives or sits with other salespeople, and they're learning the Sandler process. And equally as important, they're hearing problems that other entrepreneurs are having. And, you know, I've always found I can solve somebody else's problem a lot faster than I can solve my problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so it really helps them increase that awareness and that skill level. And then they also say, well, here's my problem. What should I be doing? And that could be a people problem or a sales problem. And that's really, most of our clients are with us seven times, you know, it's about seven and a half years, and they have about a 20 times return on investment. So for us, that's a big focus. And we, we focus on tactics, we focus on mindset, and we focus on behaviors. So we have a model to help people increase regardless of where they are. And we've been doing it for a long time and won tons of awards. 
That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. And obviously, I knew a lot about that background. I want to get our listeners to understand because some of these questions I'm going to ask you, I think I, w- I would like to say you're one of the foremost in probably knowing some of these answers. And one of them I want to ask you about is you guys as an organization deal with tons of sales-minded people and entrepreneurs and business owners. And you know, there's, there's clearly everyone always wants to know, what does it take to be successful? Is there one or two or a handful of attributes that you see that the successful people have on a repeat basis that you see like every time you look, oh, this person that's successful, look what they're doing. They have these attributes. Is there a couple you would point to? Sure. I mean, from a sales organization, um, which of course, you know, we can talk about, I think what the attributes are is that they have a defined process in place. When they hire people to come into their organization, they don't just say, hey, I've hired you because you're successful and you have experience and hey, good luck to you. No, they say, when you come to this organization, here's our five-step sales process or seven or whatever it is. The super successful companies that I visit, they can recite to anyone walking down the hallway, hey, what's step three? Boom, qualification. And not that they're great at it, Michael, but they know it, right? And so therefore, I think a sales organization should always know where they are and what does it take to proceed that sale, whether it's out of the funnel or in the funnel. So having that sales process is king. It's key because if you don't have process and how do you onboard new people? If you don't have process, how do you train them? If you don't have process, how do you coach them? You know, that's like every every player on a sports team kind of doing their own thing. And you're wondering why the coach can't get them to work together. It's like the old Olympics team, you know, before we had everyone, we had great players, but we just stunk and they weren't playing as a team. So that's a big one. I think the other big one for entrepreneurs is the ability to delegate. And all roads should not lead to you. You, As a leader, your goal is to create an environment where your people are self-sufficient and they don't have this learned helplessness thing where they're afraid to act without your permission or guidance. I think the other one is they have separated their identity from their role. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means lots of times people who are not successful take rejection personally, take failure personally, continually ride on past successes where as an entrepreneur, let's face it, we're going to lose more than we win. And, you know, our whole life is like a sailboat. We tack left and right. And if you think you're going to get from point A to point B in a straight line, I mean, that's fantasy nine out of 10 times from an entrepreneur standpoint. And so if you're, let's say, had a misstep, you know, which happens every single day, if you took that personally, if that lowers your self-esteem, then we're in serious trouble. You need a bulletproof vest on that, hey, even though I did this right, this right, but that wrong, I still am, you know, I still have a healthy self-esteem and, I, and it's not going to bother me and I'm not going to think about it for a week or a month and keep getting dragged to my past failures. That's a serious problem. But the people who are uber successful, they don't have that problem. They boxed it in. Yep. Know what it is. Learn from that. I'm still great at all these other things and I'll fix this and they don't have leakage. So those are some of the easy ones, but there's a lot more. Yeah. And I guess while we're on this topic, one other thing that you brought up this word and I, it kind of is, it's underlying up the three you mentioned is the concept of mindset. Where does the mindset find, where does that fall into the whole spectrum there? Is it, where is that important and why is it important? From an entrepreneurial standpoint or sales organization? From both. Yeah. Well, I think from an entrepreneur, I think the first thing that we have to do for mindset is put our ego to the side. You know, uh, it's a real problem. I think, you know, I drive every day to work as you do. If we could put our ego in the car, just roll down the window so it doesn't, you know, suffocate, but it's there when I get back. Awesome. When you bring it into the, into the office, that's a problem. So that's a mindset. I think fear of failure, huge. It's huge. 
comfort zone where people are operating on 70% of their capacity and they're not necessarily going to that next stage. There's a lot of owners who have spent the first 15 years of their careers building this thing and taking educated risks and doing everything it takes. And then they're, quote unquote, I've made it. And then they spend the next 10 years protecting the kingdom and not doing anything that they did to get to this point, right? So it's almost like they're just camping there for some reason. And they wonder why their business is eroding around them because they stopped doing all the things that got them there because now that they've quote unquote made it. And I think the other one that is kind of weird if you think about it, but it's there all the time is fear of success. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. So those are some of the mindset stuff. It's funny you talk about that, and it, it, you know I can't help but one of the I just saw I saw on, on the internet I was looking in one of the lotteries is worth almost a billion dollars, and you know I'm sure you've heard of the lottery syndrome, right? Where most lottery winners, you got to play it, but but you know most lottery winners lose all of their money or go bankrupt in the first year. Majority of them. Mm-hmm. It's that identity to success because most of us aren't taught that, and and it the fear of success were our own worst enemies sometimes. And you see it all the time happen and they don't, you know, they either kind of waver at a certain point and plateau or they lose it all. And why is that? And, you know, it's really interesting to watch some of them is that you know, you've watched so many successful entrepreneurs and they had a success at X amount of dollars and then they lost it. Right. They came back and then it was 10 X and they lost it. And then, you know, at some point, usually at a hundred X or something, they find enough people around them to stop yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they can't, yeah. they can't lose it fast enough. Right. They can't uh, lose it at some point, but, it's but it happens in sports, right? How many sports people are bankrupt or, I mean, Hey, Mike Tyson, I mean, he went from nothing to stardom to nothing because his self-esteem didn't see him as that uber successful thing. So he self-adjusted and then people that are sabotaging their success, they don't even see that they they don't even see it. They deny it's happening, yep. but it but it happens. You know it and I know it. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, for our listeners who are out there, you and I kept going back, are we talking sales? Are we talking entrepreneurship? And I really, when we were prepping for this, you know, I said I wanted to do both. And and I think because at the end of the day, sometimes it, it sales slash entrepreneurship can, be a, a, can get a bad rap or I'm not a salesperson, I'm not an entrepreneur. And at the end of the day, I think we all are, are salespeople. I think we're all entrepreneurs in some, in some capacity in the sense that we have to have those attributes and if we want to grow. And at the end of the day, I don't know who said it, but sales is the, you know, the top line of any business and it starts there and you know, sales cures all woes. I can go on and on and on. It's just yep. such an important part. And I think over the years, I'm sure you've seen just how important that entrepreneurial spirit and sales plays into many organizations. Oh, absolutely. Hey, listen, when it comes to entrepreneur, we just embedded our content into the Harvard Entrepreneur Program. And so they came and said, you know, it's one of those things that's never taught. Sales isn't taught. We thought, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but the general consensus is if you're unqualified to do anything else, go into sales. You know, that's your last stop between before total unemployment. And it's not accurate. And they have all the data that would say, if you can't sell yourself, you can't sell your ideas, you will not be in business. I think it's a real step in the right direction that more and more universities are putting that into their curriculum so we can help those young entrepreneurs, those young people coming into this profession where they don't have to spend 10 years learning by complete you know, failure. And they have this foundation like they do in any other profession day one. I mean, I, I applaud that. Yeah. And I think it's along those lines, I'm going to ask you, you, you can, you can choose either side of this, but for, for the, the people who are listening, we've all been on either side of that conversation. We're either the salesperson that's driven and wants to produce results. And we're in an organization that is having a hard time with us or vice versa. We maybe are the organization that's having a hard time with 
those salespeople, you know, those quote unquote salespeople. Again, you can choose which side, but what advice do you have for someone stuck on one of that side of that pendulum? I don't like what's happening to me on the other side. Well, I mean, I, I say a couple of things that I've noticed, you know, internal parts of the organization tend not to be happy with salespeople occasionally, right? There's this friction. Mm -hmm. And I always tell that side, hey, what you hate about this group makes them successful. You know, the right. fact that they keep pushing, the fact yep. that they keep asking questions, the fact that they want to know when you're going to have it done and deadlines. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make them aware. What I have found, though, to make sure that we're on the same page and there's that synergy, the minute you explain to the overall organization, here's the process that they follow in the sales world, here are all the things that go on, there's an appreciation for that first. Huh. And second, I think that sales tends not to over-communicate to the rest of the organization. And so, you know, no one really understands what their role is. Why do I have to get this done at a certain time? The more that you can communicate, here's what's going on, here's what we're going to need, here's why. Even, Michael, even there's a handoff to new clients is poor in, you know, 90% of the organization organizations. Sure. So if we can get on the same page, I think we're going to be a lot better off. And quite frankly, even setting expectations and just clear roles and responsibilities, it sounds so intuitive. It sounds so simple. But if you just look at your own company, chances are none of those things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. And before we wrap up here, I know your time's really valuable. So I thank you for that. I would love to love just ask you, is there any, for the people listening, is there, is there some takeaways? Is there a tip or a couple tips they could, in leaving this podcast, they could go do in their life to be more successful, to improve their efficiency? Is, it, is there anything you'd leave them with? Sure. Well, if I was an entrepreneur, I would do two things immediately. Let's do pre-funnel stuff. I would determine how many net new conversations do your people need in order for them to hit their goal. They won't know that number, but you need to know that number. Everyone focuses on the funnel. I get that part, but you really, as an entrepreneur, need to focus on pre-funnel because pre-funnel drives the funnel, right? And right. so we either go feast or famine. I never understood that. If you would go and say, how many net new conversations do we need to drive the funnel, which of course then will hit our goal, that's where an entrepreneur should really focus their time on. We should also focus in as a tip, I would sit my team down with blank pieces of paper and I said, I would ask them, big picture, draw some boxes. So what are the steps that we follow from the time that we prospect to the time that we have a happy customer buying more stuff? What are they? And I will bet you my paycheck that there is no consistency on your team. That's your first light bulb. Take some sticky, you know, flip chart paper, put it on the wall as an entrepreneur and say, what do we do first as a group? Everyone's not going to have the exact same, but what you'll find is we can get consensus. And once you have that, then say, okay, these are our five big step, big picture steps. Awesome. And then ask yourself, what are the three things that I need to do in order to go from qualification to presentation or stage two to three? Don't overcomplicate this. If you were to do that, you now have your sales process. You can embed that into your CRM process. You can coach and train that and it will take you one to two sales meetings and it'll be the best thing that you can do. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so, so very much. And as I share with you, it's the Be Investable podcast. The last question I have for you is, when you hear Be Investable, what does that mean to you? That means that you need to make sure that you've done everything that you can to be the best that you are and that it's just not you and that you're scalable. And then I think everybody knows their lane, right? Everyone knows their lane. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of companies that are not investable. A lot of people that are not investable because they're not multipliable. That's not investable. I think clarity, focus, looking forward, goal setting, all those things will help you become investable. Awesome. Well, Dave, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for joining us on the Be Investable podcast. Thanks for having me.
Well, there you have it. The latest episode of the Be Investable podcast. Until next time, stay investable. In the meantime, check out our magazine by going to www.getinvestable.com forward slash magazine and subscribe for a free issue. Additionally, you can find more great content through our amazing media partners such as Cranes Business Detroit, Huffington Post, Michigan Business Network, Mishapreneur, Smart Hustle Magazine, and Startup Nation. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you.